I want to invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that is really the, the diving board for this series uh, that we call First to the Lord, uh, which is all five Sundays of October. Uh, and honestly, the reason why we are landing in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is because it's the most potent place in the Bible uh, where you can go to learn about God's heart for His people, uh, to just learn to have hearts of generosity. Uh, and this goes way beyond financial generosity uh, to every little area and corner of our lives lives. Um, so that's why we are doing this, because we want to see God's heart for us on our discipleship journey towards uh, generosity. Now, uh, I have a quick confession to make before we keep going uh, in sermon today. Um, a lot of times, just like weekly preparing for a sermon and studying and praying and thinking and anticipating uh, what people's questions might be. Uh, sometimes you hit kind of what an author might call um, writer's block uh, or sermon block, uh, where you just kind of like get stuck and uh, then like it doesn't matter if you get stuck or not because Sunday's coming. Uh, well, I kind of had a version of that um, this week uh, where it had a lot of things that were out of the ordinary for me early in the week. And so uh, I knew that a lot of my uh, sermon prep and study time was going to be later in the week when, lo and behold, I get home later in the week, and um, it was dark, and I get to my front porch, and uh, the porch light was off, and right in front of our front door are two little bowls. One is a water bowl, one is a food bowl for our uh, outside cat named Gobbler. Uh, and out of the corner of my eye, I see Gobbler, and I'm so excited to say hi, reach down uh, to pet said Gobbler, uh, until I realize it is not Gobbler. Um, it is a black and white version of Gobbler that has now turned and aimed his rear end at me, tail up, and when I realize, I, I'm 24 inches from this, when I realize what's going on, I turn and run and just flee like a coward. And uh, I mean, I was, I was moving quickly, I was moving fast, and I was moving just slightly slower um, than the speed of the, the, the juice, the liquid, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, uh, it was just absolutely horrible. And so I got sprayed a little bit. Uh, my entire front porch and front door got sprayed a lot air conditioner was on, sucked all of that into our house. And so all that to say, um, for the last three days, it has been rough. I have smelled very bad. Um, now my wife is worried because like the good news is the smell is kind of wearing off to where it's kind of faint. But the bad news is like now everything smells like weed. So like just, I just wanted to say this to say like there's been a lot of distraction, a lot of uh, difficulty the last few days. So uh, whatever your hopes for, for like uh, sermon, uh, lower them if you would, okay? We're going to talk about Jesus. We're preaching from the Bible. It's going to be good, um, but I'm just saying. Every time I sat down <laughs> to study and think, I just was overwhelmed and just had to go bathe again. Uh, anyways, uh, now it makes sense why people are doing like a big, uh, a big circle around me. Um, that's not what I came here to tell you, though. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. All right, if you were here last week, you caught this. If you were not, I'll give a little bit of a recap uh, to drop us in the context of what's going on. Uh, the Apostle Paul, Jewish man, saved by grace. Jesus changed his life in a radical encounter uh, with Jesus, uh, devoted his life to planting churches among 
uh, Gentile people, non, non-Jewish people. And so he was giving his life to Gentiles, although he himself was a Jew, still maintained a love for his own people, but he did not have any direct ministry opportunity uh, with them uh, until um, this pretty difficult situation hit Judea where most Jewish people lived. Uh, there was a, a horrible famine that caused a, a huge food shortage. And so Paul begins to go on this fundraising campaign where he comes up with an idea, I will go and I'll talk to all the Gentile churches and will raise money so that they can send it back and help some of the Jewish Christians. Uh, a couple reasons he had uh, for that project. Uh, one, obviously, to alleviate some suffering uh, with his Jewish people. Two, was to bridge a gap between the Jew and the Gentile, and there was a large racial gap between them, and to help them see that they were family in Christ. Uh, and then what you're going to see uh, in 2 Corinthians, is he also wanted to use this as an opportunity to disciple, uh, to kind of fill in the gaps with some of the discipleship that especially the Corinthian church had, where they were making progress in so many different elements of their discipleship, but Paul saw their finances and their generosity as uh, a place that needed some bolstering. Um, so that's the reason uh, behind this, uh, this text. So what you find out is that he had gone to Corinth And Corinth was, if you were here last week, was a lot like Midland, was a very young town, booming town, a lot of people moving there, very strong economy. And uh, they were one of the first churches to jump on board and to uh, commit to this project. Um, But uh, also, uh, there were some other churches in Macedonia, which was a region, uh, and those churches uh, also contributed to this project. But what you find uh, is that there was a little bit of a hole in the discipleship of the Corinthians where they made this commitment, but then they got nervous and they didn't necessarily want to follow through with it. And uh, so Paul takes these churches in Macedonia and he holds them up as an example. And uh, if, if you know much about just the difference that the churches in Macedonia were very, very poor. They were enduring a lot of suffering and a lot of persecution. And that would have been the most surprising unlikely place for an example of generosity to show up from. And yet that's where it shows up. And it's not even a financial deal. Paul never talks about the amount of money that they raised and they sent, probably because it was not very much. But he was overwhelmed by something that had taken place in their heart um, that changed them, that caused them to become generous, generous in their heart towards what God was doing. And so we covered a fair bit of that last week. Um, But what I wanted to look at today is just what exactly happened in them that, that, that caused this huge shift in their heart that affected everything down even to their finances and their monthly budget um, because that is the thing that I, th- I think is, is replicatable. Okay? Whatever they did in their heart that caused this change is obviously what Paul wants the Corinthians to learn. So he's writing 2 Corinthians. He wants to hold up the example of the Macedonians, and he wants that to be, to be contagious or to be emulated. Uh, and, and so I, I think obviously that's the same goal that God has for us uh, in reading this text is for that example to stir us up, uh, to challenge us that we might do exactly what they did. Uh, and I'll say this, it's actually very, very simple. Uh, so this might be uh, a shorter sermon than I was expecting. But Paul's goal for the church in Corinth 
was that they would experience uh, God's grace in a fresh way, that they would learn from the Macedonians' example in not just what they did or their generosity, but what happened in their heart that caused that change. And then he wanted them to overflow with joy uh, and with generosity, and he wanted them to grow in their discipleship journey. So that's what I believe God's plan for you, for us, for Redeemer Midland is in this text, same things, to experience God's grace perhaps in a fresh new way, uh, to learn from the example of the Macedonians, to overflow with the gospel and therefore with joy and with true generosity, uh, and that this might be a piece of our discipleship journey um, that we get to learn because... If, if, you're, if you're a disciple and you're dedicated to following Jesus and, uh, and becoming like him, it's really difficult to do that and to not be a generous person because Jesus is the generous person there's ever been. God is the generous being there, there, there is. He gave his first. He gave his best. He's generous. If you're on a journey to be like him, it's going to include everything down even to our finances. So what did they do, the church in Macedonia, that Paul wanted the Corinthians to learn from, that God wants us to learn from. I'm so glad that you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to pick it up in verse 5. If you're there, say, ready. It says, and this, this is Paul. And if you missed, uh, if you don't know where we're coming in beyond that, jump to the podcast and listen to it uh, from last week. I think it'll be helpful. And this, meaning like this, the, the sacrifice and the joy and the generosity of these incredibly poor, uh, deep, deeply suffering Christians, this, that, it's not as we expected, but they gave themselves, and here it is, four words, that's the theme of this whole month, first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he started, so he should complete among you this act of grace also, meaning Titus was sent to Corinth to help them fulfill their uh, commitment and to learn to be generous. Uh, But as you excel, again, this is to the church in Corinth, as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. If we're posing the question, what was it that got down into the hearts of the Macedonian that changed them and made them an example of generosity, like true gospel, Jesus-centered generosity for 2,000 years, what is it, right? If that's the question, what is it, what did they do? What's the secret sauce of the Macedonians? circle that, underline that, it says that they gave themselves first to the Lord. That's the goal of this sermon. Like, what did it mean for them to to give themselves first to the Lord, or really that Jesus got first place in their hearts, and then what does it mean for us to learn from their example uh, and to give ourselves first to the Lord? Um, We we call this, uh, in theological terms, uh, the principle of firsts. Uh, and maybe you have heard that before, maybe you haven't, but uh, basically what this means is this is a whole like idea, a whole principle or a whole way to live, uh, and the idea of first is that uh, the most important things uh, get the first place. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? The most important things should get the first place, and that means two things. That means the first in order and the first in priority, okay? The first in order of a sequence, uh, but you can, you could, 
kind of, you could put something that's not super important as first in order. And, and so it, it means both. It means the first in an order of sequence or the first in priority. And what you do is the, the principle of first means you take what is most important and you put it first and it drives everything else. Because whatever we decide to put first becomes the driver for everything else. Let me tease out a couple examples. Uh, if we want spending to be first, and we put that first not just in order of sequence but in order of priority, then everything else uh, kind of becomes uh, serve a servant to that. We spend first, and then we, you know, uh, we decide what to save, what to give, what to live on beyond that. Uh, you don't really get to decide what you're taxed on because they just come in and take that, right? Uh, so we don't even get the choice. But if you put whatever you put first becomes the driver for everything else. If we decide we're going to save first, then that's going to dictate what we're able to uh, spend on living, what we're able to uh, put, a, you know, all these other things uh, will be based on what goes first. Whatever goes first drives the ship. Um, in Leviticus, you don't have to turn there. Uh, I'll summarize a little bit. Uh, but Old Testament Leviticus talks about the idea of the first fruits. Uh, and this is kind of where you get this principle of firsts from, um, that uh, this was an agrarian society, a lot of farming. Uh, and so they would, uh, they would plant and they would pray and they would weed their, their fields. And then eventually they would have uh, just this, this crop that they had prayed for and they had sowed and now they're about to reap. And uh, Leviticus 23 says that they, the, the, the Jewish people, God's people, uh, were supposed to take the first fruits which means the very first crop, they would take a percentage of that uh, and they would take it and they would give it to God through uh, the priests uh, and that was to be um, really reflective of, of a couple different things. Uh, one, it was to show that they, uh, they loved God first. Two, it was also to show that they trusted Him to take care of all our other needs. Uh, and it wasn't just like the amount but the first fruits was like the, the order, the sequence was an important thing. So that's Old Testament's a little bit uh, reflective of uh, a New Testament tie that it's not just the amount, it's the showing that Jesus is first. He's first in order and he's first in priority. Uh, this can be both uh, prescriptive, something we, we should do or learn, or descriptive. Uh, and by that, this is, this is what I mean. Uh, it can be prescriptive in that God, God's telling us, and like the example of the Macedonians is prescribing something for us to say, we should put God first. And for the rest of the sermon, I'm not necessarily even talking about finances. I'm just talking about what does it truly mean that Jesus gets first place in our hearts. That's prescribed for us. That's the best thing for us is to seek Jesus first. It can also be descriptive. Okay, By that, what I mean is you can look in your life, if you're honest, if, if, you're, if you're bold enough to be honest, look at your life and whatever gets first in priority and whatever gets first in importance is normally first for you. So whether it's descriptive, something we should do, or we look at it in a descriptive way, something we do do, it's very telling uh, what goes first uh, and what's so just really powerful and moving about the Macedonian churches that they said, well, we gave ourselves first to the Lord. We put him first. He has first place. Uh, do I have some um, some freedom this morning to for a little creative license? 
Some of you are like, I'm not agreeing to something that I have no idea what you're doing. Uh, let me rephrase that. I'm going to take a little bit of uh, creative license this morning. Because I, I, was, thinking, I was thinking the last few days, uh, Paul obviously wants us to learn from this example. And in the first century, uh, how you would go about doing that is write a letter. But there wasn't a whole lot of other mediums uh, to uh, express yourself and to try to uh, stir someone up so that they understand and they catch something. So he writes a letter, and in the letter he explains what's going on in Macedonia. And I, I thought this week, um, like, if Paul was doing this right here today and now, how would he go about doing that? Uh, how would he try to educate us and motivate us using the example of the Macedonians uh, and uh, I think it might be a podcast, okay? So this is the creative license I need. I have now formulated basically a fake interview where Paul might be having a podcast and sitting down with the Macedonian church to ask them things so that anybody that listens might be educated and stirred up and motivated to be like them and to give themselves first to the Lord. So I'm not like the most creative person on the planet, um, you know, like if we preach through Romans, normally the title of the series is called Romans. So this is my stab at creativity. Are y'all ready? I'll be creative, you be graceful. Sound good? Paul, he sits down, he goes to Macedonia, he's like, something unbelievable happened in this church. So unbelievable, it caught me off guard. And I'm the apostle of grace, and yet this movement of grace, I didn't see it coming. And I want to tell the story so that other churches hear it, are moved by it, and emulate it. So Paul might sit down uh, with some of the church leaders from Macedonia and say something like this, wow, church, what a blessing. That is so crazy. It's such an encouragement. Y'all are so very, very poor, and you're in some deep suffering, and you're facing really horrible persecution, yet you have been begging to be a part of this and to give towards this project to relieve the suffering of the saints. What happened? What caused such a deep change in your hearts that got all the way to your finances, to which uh, a Macedonian might lean into his mic and say, oh, it's such a great question, Paul. I am, I'm so glad that you asked. Uh, and we're so delighted to share because we know that God can do in others, this incredible act of grace that he has done in us. The very first thing we did was we gave ourselves first to the Lord. And we actually try to do this every day now. We know Jesus is most important and that he deserves the first place in our hearts. So we try to do that fresh every morning. So Paul follows up. He says, well, why did you decide that Jesus deserves to be first in your heart? Why is he worthy of you giving yourselves first to the Lord? To which a woman from the church leans up to her mic and says, well, uh, we read what you wrote, Paul, to our sister church down the road in Colossae. And they would read to Paul something that he wrote from Colossians 1. Paul's talking about Jesus, and he says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Uh, make a note of that. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. That's sequence. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. 
He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Do you all see that? First in order and first in importance. And we agree, they would say, this woman leaning up to the mic, Jesus is the firstborn. He's the most important. He should be the center of our lives, of our hearts, of our finances. If we put something else in that place, in the throne of our hearts, it seems that things fall apart. But we have learned that when Jesus is first, he holds all things together. To which Paul might say, aren't you worried sometimes that because you're so poor yet so generous that you won't be able to make ends meet? Maybe you won't be able to meet the budget and and pay the bills. Maybe you'll have a hard time feeding your family. Does that ever make you anxious? Somebody else from the church leans up to their mic and they say, "That's that's a great question, Paul. We were actually reading that the other day in our church gathering, our church had gathered together and we were studying Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and we read part of Matthew that said this, Matthew 6, and which of you, Jesus said, by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore Jesus told them, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first. First to the Lord, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, which Paul might follow up and say, well, that, that seems pretty simple. You give yourselves first to the Lord, and then he gets to direct you about what to do next. What has happened since you gave yourselves first to the Lord? To which a Macedonian leans into the microphone, maybe says, well, uh, a few things. First, we are actually more content because we're not spending all of our time trying to necessarily make more money. We want to ask the Lord how we can honor him with what we do have. So we're learning, as you, Paul, told the Macedonian church right down the road in Philippi uh, to be content in all things, that contentment is not about how much we have. It's about who gets first place. When stuff got first place in our hearts, we weren't content at all because there was always more to have. So we focused more on what we lacked, not on what we had. Secondly, they might say, we're more aware now that we are just stewards. We don't own anything. Everything we have belongs to Jesus, and he uses us to bless others and to be part of his mission. God's gifts don't just flow to us, but we know that they flow through us. Thirdly, they might say, we honestly have had much more joy. You know, it really is true. Like Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, to which Paul might follow up with the question, was it hard to give money when y'all, and uh, yeah, Paul said y'all, I have it on good authority. Wasn't it hard to give money uh, when y'all don't have much? And the Macedonians lean into the mic, say, well, actually, we didn't start by giving money. We gave ourselves We gave ourselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to you. It was a gift of ourselves and financially is just how it 
worked out. That was result. But really the giving was of ourselves to Jesus and ourselves to others. I don't know. All those things are true and accurate. Right? I don't know how it would have played out if Paul would have interviewed the Macedonians, but I know that's the example um, that Paul wants to stir up in us. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to others. And because of that, they experienced a very unique season of grace. They experienced a very deep sense of joy that was lacking in the Corinthians that hopefully they learned, hopefully we learn, and then they became an example of generosity for the last 2,000 years. So what might happen if we follow their example, right? If we follow the example of the Macedonians and we give ourselves first to the Lord. If Jesus, And this is the theme of, of this whole month in Redeemer Kids. Uh, I'm sorry you took your jacket off, Elizabeth. This is why Elizabeth was wearing a jacket that looked like she was a, a whatever, a flag person. That's not the term. <laughs> anyway, it's a race car theme in, in Redeemer Kids this whole month because we're teaching them that Jesus gets first place. So what would it look like if Jesus continually gets first place in our hearts and our lives? Three things. Uh, I think like this is what Paul wanted to happen in Corinth. This is what God wants to happen in Midland for us to give ourselves first to the Lord. And then what happens? Number one, might just experience a deep sense of joy and contentment. I want to I want to hit on these for a moment um, because it's such an interesting thing in the in the culture and especially the city and the economy that we live in where there's like there's just so much affluence whether maybe it's not maybe you don't feel rich but it's just around us and there's a temptation to just be given to first and foremost wanting to become wealthy and to become rich and it's amazing how you can kind of get that and still not have joy and even still not be content. I mean, it's unbelievable how much money we can actually have and still not be content because there's always more to have. So I think like Jesus getting priority in our hearts is the key to joy and to contentment. Uh, I, I said this a few moments ago, what we put first in our lives matters, and normally what we put first is where we expect and hope to find joy. So don't waste that. Okay, don't waste the first place in your heart with something that can't actually give you and bring you joy. And then just like, it's amazing how you give yourselves first to Jesus and then um, contentment is really what follows. I mean, so this, I, I think this really is the key to joy and contentment is giving Jesus the, the rightful place that he deserves in our hearts. First to Lord, you might just experience a deep sense of joy and contentment. Number two, uh, might just find the secret to a generous life. Right? That, that's, that's what the Macedonians did. Did you know, it, it doesn't say anywhere in here that in the middle of that whole thing with the Macedonians that God gave them a raise, and that's what made them generous. Like, nothing changed in their finances. Something changed in their heart that caused them to... to, to, to to know and to feel God's grace, to experience this joy, and to live with open hands where they became generous, and it was not necessarily a financial thing for them. Um, what if, for the Christian, that God designed to give certain things so that they might flow through us, not just uh, be given to us? I think this is a really important principle um, that I want to tease out. And this doesn't just apply to finances. God 
gives us grace, and then he expects us to pass that on to others, doesn't he? To be gracious with other people. Why? Because God has given us grace. What we should, like Christians should be the best forgivers on the planet. Why? Because we have been forgiven much, and so the forgiveness of God flows not just to us, but through us. If God's gifts just flow to us, that's normally not a healthy thing for a Christian. Okay, the two examples I have, um, one is the Dead Sea versus the, the Sea of Galilee. All right, some of you have I've used this before, maybe you've heard it elsewhere, um, but they're very similar in location. Both of them have inlets, have rivers flowing into them. Uh, the Dead Sea has no outlet, nothing flowing out, and it's dead, right? And it's not because there's not good stuff flowing in, it's because there's nothing flowing out. You've got the Sea of Galilee that's got something flowing in and flowing out, and it's got a healthy ecosystem teeming with fish, would love to go fish there one day. Right? The second, like that, that, at some point, that's the Christian. The Christian that just only receives forgiveness and grace and blessings from God and doesn't allow that to flow through them to other people just kind of short circuits God's design. Okay? Speaking of short circuits, I didn't plan that. Uh, but my, my second illustration to just talk about what does it truly mean uh, to, to receive God's gifts and pass them on to others for a generous life has to do with electricity, okay? Now, disclaimer, uh, I am not giving professional electrical advice, okay? This may shock you. See what I did there? <laughs> this may shock you. I am not a licensed electrician. I worked for an electrician in college for a while uh, and uh, learned enough to be uh, dangerous. Uh, set my house on fire once, but I learned my lesson. Um, electricity. Uh, th- there's a reason why with the electrical circuits in your house or anywhere that you, we try to get those circuits grounded, okay? Like, like your teenage kids, we want them grounded, right? Sorry, just keep going here. <laughs> um, because electricity, is, is it, it's not looking to terminate on something. It's looking to pass through because electricity is always looking for the quickest way for it to get to the ground. And if you don't ground something, too much electricity uh, builds up in a circuit, and it's not good. It's designed and built to pass through things, right? Same way with a Christian. If there's no outlet, it's dangerous for all these things to just accumulate because we weren't designed just for God's gifts and goodness and grace and mercy and all those things to just terminate in us. We were designed to pass them on. We were, des- we're designed to be grounded so that God can use us as a conduit uh, for blessing others. Um, have you ever thought why a bird can sit up on a power line and not get electrocuted? Because the circuit's not complete. It's not grounded. There's nothing actually flowing through it, so it doesn't affect it. Okay? This is, this is why we can receive an unbelievable amount of physical blessings from God and it not necessarily change us because to change us, some things have to flow not just to us, but through us. There's a way in which passing things on, forgiveness, mercy, even money and finances, has a way of finishing the circuit because it's not just designed for us to endlessly accumulate things. And when you give yourselves first to the Lord, uh, it kind of loosens up our hands for him to uh, remind us that we're stewards and we get to bless others. And the third thing is you might just be a blessing to someone else. If we give ourselves first to the Lord, God opens our hands. It might just end up uh, in a place that just blesses someone else. Um, here's, here's the response for this morning. 
And honestly, it's not a financial response. It is a heart response. Where, where are you in your life, in your journey? What is in first place? What is in first place in timing? What is in first place in priority? And here's the invitation for Jesus to get that place. To, to seek Jesus first. To give yourselves first to the Lord. Why? Two answers. Number one, like why? Maybe, maybe you're a brand new uh, to Redeemer. Maybe you're not even a Christian. Like why should I give myself, myself first to the Lord? Why should Jesus get the first foremost place in my heart and then everything else flows from that? Two reasons, because of who he is and because of what he's done, okay? Because of who Jesus Christ is. I told you I would come back to it, um, the idea that Colossians 1 said um, that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, okay? The firstborn uh, where Jesus gets that title, that's not necessarily a title of, uh, of, of sequence because there was a lot of people born before Jesus, right? And it's important distinction. Jesus wasn't created. He was born. He's existed forever. He's God. But he, he's the firstborn. Okay, and in the Jewish world, the firstborn is the preeminent. They, they have the, the, the most um, important place in the family. They get most of the uh, birthright. They have this place of honor. Uh, and what Paul is saying is that Jesus, just by virtue of who he is, he is the firstborn, the most prominent being in all creation. He is uh, first, not just in order, but importance. He outranks all of us. Go back and look at what we read in, in Colossians of the resume of Christ. He deserves first place in our heart. Why? Because he is preeminent. He made all things. All things are made by him. All things are made for him. And number two, he deserves to be first in our lives because of what he has done. I thought it ironic this week to think that Paul was encouraging us to be like the Macedonians in giving themselves first to the Lord. But the Macedonians were trying to be like Jesus. They were responding to the grace and the mercy, and they knew that Jesus gave himself first for them at the cross, and so they're responding. Everything in the Christian life flows from us giving ourselves first to the Lord, and he deserves that because of who he is and what he's done, and in him all things hold together. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray to you because you're alive, you're well, you're risen from the dead, you sit on the throne in power, and your throne is a throne full of grace, and we have been invited to it. And God, I pray that you might uh, help us uh, recognize the things in our hearts that we uh, oftentimes place first and that you might take your rightful place upon the throne in our hearts that we truly would learn, not just once, but uh, truly every day as we rise, as our, uh, as our head flies off the pillow, that you would remind us that you are first, that we would learn to give ourselves first to the Lord. And God, I pray that you would truly steer our lives in every way. God, we love you. I'm thankful for the people that are in this room. I pray that you would stir us up to be more like you, um, that you're uh, forgiveness might flow through us to others, your grace might flow through us, and that you'd make us very much like your son. Jesus, we need your grace to do this, Holy Spirit. We need your power to do this. And so I pray uh, that for my, my friends this morning, my brothers and sisters, God, for anyone in this room, God, that doesn't belong to you, I pray that you might uh, 
just convince them of what you have done for them, that they wouldn't try to love you first, they would know that you have loved them first and that they would respond. They would trust you, that they would love you, that they would respond to you. Jesus, I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.